Hi, Peter. Hey. I'm, hi, I'm going to spotlight you here. I'm actually going to, I'm going to stop sharing this and I want to just get right into talking to you. Actually, I know I told you it was the wrong time, but I'm going to stop sharing my screen. I'm doing this all by myself. I'm such a big girl doing Zoom. All right. I'm just going to tone down my light, my light here. I'm going to spotlight you. All right, everybody. Um, I'm going to get back into that boring ankle talk shortly, but I want to make sure that we had time to talk to our one of my favorite humans on the planet. This is Peter Twist. Um, anybody that's been in PT or rehab in the past, I was trying to figure out how long it's been since I first spoke to you. And I, it was 20 years. Um, oh yeah, yeah, easily. I would probably like, when you think of it, I'd say, oh yeah, that was nine or 10, but I think you're correct. And it's great to see you today. I appreciate joining you. Oh, I just love talking to you. Um, I have so many pages of notes to get to. So that's why I kind of stopped my ankle talk. I'm like, we'll get to that later because All I don't right. want to run out of time. So um, typically for people that are joining, we have 26 people that are here. We do these webinars um, with Dr. McMakin and we talk about microcurrent. And she's, you know, um, off lecturing and doing all the wonderful things that she does. But part of um, what I've brought to the table with um, FSM is a lot of assessment, a lot of treatment, and a lot of exercise rehabilitation to help people once they've gotten out of pain, once they've rehabilitated from wherever they've need to, to get them moving. My my mantra ever since I got into this business 20 years ago was to get people moving better. And I think that's probably been when I think about you and all the courses that you've taught and all the people that you've helped, that's been kind of what you've been doing as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, way back when we said train movement, not muscle, even if we're putting 20 pounds of muscle on an athlete. And, you know, there's the, the classic Nike original slogan, just do it. And I think we'd all agree today based on society and inactivity and, um, you know, worsening levels of, of health and fitness and mental well-being and cancer and heart disease, everything that anything that gets someone moving is a good thing. My heart says that. But my brain says more in line with what you said, no, don't just do it because we know someone moving who hasn't been injured yet, well, they can have five outcomes. One is no outcome, you know, one is, a, you know, acute pain, injury, and, you know, one is dysfunction. They might get a little bit of results. They might get exceptional results. So it's really how you move the quality of your movement and, you know, leveraging the human system with how, it, how the body and brain best uh, expresses movement skill, then you're set up for life. This is our human vehicle. So uh, I love that. quality of movement, the thinking of our most important skill uh, to do. So right, right in parallel with you from day one. You were so far ahead of your time. Um, I, and you don't, I don't think we realized how far ahead of your time you actually were until I looked back at, so it's funny. I know this is a podcast, but we also have YouTube video. And so I try to always like verbally explain things. Um, but this is one of my favorite manuals. This is my twist accelerate sport performance certification manual. Wow. So, and it's in fantastic shape because throughout the years and back in the early 2000s, I was so, um, I was young and green and keen, and I really wanted to work with athletes. Like that was really where my passion lied. And so, um, and then I was telling you all the people that I could hook my hands onto and learn from, um, that's who I wanted to hitch my cart to. So, you know, it was you and Mark Lindsay and Ken Kanakin and Andre Benoit and all those people that had really kind of, um, you, it seemed like it was unique approaches to movement. And 20 years later, I'm still working with athletes, but I'm also working with, you know, the senior citizen who doesn't want to go in a wheelchair and I'm using a lot of these principles, um, even still. So, um, one of the things that, is, is in my little manual that again, I think was so, so 
crucial and pivotal. And it, it is really still what encompasses my um, work with, with FSM and without it was the breaks application. Yes, and yes. right at the very top of, um, you know, your pyramid and the way that you were training us was balance. And I did my thesis on, in college um, on some hip stuff, but our, our group that did um, the balance training recovered not only faster, but had longer lasting results. So is that still something that, I mean, I follow you, I know what you want, but can you talk a little bit about how you had that breaks paradigm and maybe it's a little different or... Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, um, that's a through line. That's been a through line. Of course, the methodology evolves. And it's so great when, you know, I like to say nothing happens in the body alone. And this is our human system. And so we kind of learn more integrated sciences. And it's fun to try and reverse engineer from how all the sciences together uh, talk together during movement or different physical demands. such forth that all of, you know, hundred percent of training with a healthy client that I advise is to keep them in a cognitive state, meaning the brain's always solving the puzzle to figure out the exercise every inch. Um, you know, training isn't about doing a hundred reps. It's about finding how to make doing few reps difficult. So it's, you know, how do we make every inch of every rep as difficult as possible? I don't mean the the sort of the fitness industry standard of sweat and fatigue and crush clients. Life crushes our clients. We build them up always. Um, But every second of every drill, every inch of every rep, how how do we get max brain computations and actually utilize exercise to build brain cells, rewire and communicate with the body uh, more accurately and timely and then train the body to move. So uh, strength, balance, movement, and core. Those, those I believe, are the four pillar attributes um, of all expressions of human movement when we're up on our feet and when we're on Earth inside gravity and we want to move around in 3D. That can be lunging to garden at a slow tempo and that can be skiing down a double black mountain. But we see strength, balance, movement, core. And we know from uh, research that when we integrate those uh, through line for all exercises, so if you're, if I'm training you to improve, I'm going to keep you in a cognitive state using those four variables uh, to make sure that your brain, you have to be present in the moment. So I don't know what all the TVs are doing at fitness uh, uh, health clubs and so on. That's saying like, I'm so, I'm, I, I dislike this activity so much, I need to dissociate from it. Right. And my brain's not even present listening and feeling how I'm moving. Um, so that's to improve you. We can get max uh, muscle fascia, brain and skill adaptations, but now it's time to perform. Maybe you're in competition. Um, now we want it to be autonomic and something you don't have to think about in the most efficient way. And that might be something as simple as using, you know, our arms as levers. And when we're in a training cognitively to improve, you know, I'm using long half hand pathways, uh, with loaded at slow tempo away from the body. But now I want to perform. I'm going to stay, keep my, a short lever at a higher tempo Um, so that I use a skill that I have to express the best output. So two totally different situations. Uh, But yes, strength, balance, movement, core, those are four attributes that we aim to build. They're present in every rep of every movement. Interestingly, especially with balance, and we know as strength, each uh, provides an overload variable for the other three. So at any time in an exercise, yes, we're building all four, but we might say in this exercise, now we're going to utilize uh, balance in a different way so that we can build more strength, reactive strength, et cetera. Or we're going to use more neurally complex movement um, to tie the other three in together. So we have more core, more muscle activation. So they're both an attribute and an overload variable when we want them to be. 
my brain is already, I feel like I have to stand up and like push some, make some room out. Um, so when a lot of us are um, listening to the podcast, are therapists, PTs, chiropractors, yes. and a lot of us were kind of force fed this idea that, you know, first you need a joint to be healthy in order, and then you incorporate the exercise and the movement at the end. Yes. And to me, that's always felt really inorganic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've loved the fact that in the last 20 years, we've really moved away from immobilizing. Um, yes. We're not casting nearly the amount that we used to kids are even post-operatively, we're getting out of braces and crutches and getting joints um, and muscles to move, getting neural sensation back to the area. Um, one of the, um, one of the, the biggest shifts that I've seen is rice versus meth. And, um, I love being Canadian. I love that all this research is coming out of Canada right now. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, um, we see, um, you know, rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation. We have this new, um, acronym, anybody that's taken my course, I, I sing the praises. We're all doing meth right now and we're doing movement elevation, traction, and heat. So movement has come back to the forefront of the very first thing that we're doing, even in acute injuries, um, which has been, to me, it seems right. We were, we're all supposed to move. And I know like a lot of us cut our teeth working with athletes, um, but it's anybody, I think it's our, our right to, to move. And I love that you've added the being cognitive of the movement. Um, short story here. I'm, I'm a runner. I love running. When I first got back into running, it was headphones with massive amounts of music. And I wanted to run on the road or on a trail of asphalt because I didn't want to have to think about running. That is so sad. (laughs) It is so sad. Now my favorite runs are me, um, with, I, I do have my watch in case something goes wrong and I need to call for something, but me and my dog, and, um, I have a highly reactive German shepherd. So I need to be present for her, um, to make sure that, you know, we feel connected. Um, and it's funny, I run faster, more efficiently without as much fatigue when I don't have the noise. Uh, good, good for you. And I totally living uh, for those in your community. And um, thank you for all you're doing for uh, helping people heal and improve and your passion uh, for the field and uh, connecting here with Kim. And I'm, I'm so grateful to join you. But I live, I live in Vancouver on the, at the foot of three mountains. And over time, uh, I grew up in Ontario playing all every single North American structured team and individual sport. And then came out here and dropped them all, did my master's in coaching science, sports sciences, and, you know, picked up skiing and snowshoeing and hiking and trail running. So the mountains are the, you know, really the main reason uh, that active people live here. And so sure, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll play all kind of, I'll play some gospel folk music running, I'll play some thrash metal, running through the rainstorm, getting that energy. Um, and sometimes, you know, you and I could go for a walk, a hike, a run and have a nice walk and talk, you know, man, I, I write a lot. So everybody probably sits quite a, more than we need to. So any meeting, any social fun, rather than sitting on a patio, we're going to go walk in the forest. But my most valuable still is, as you say, uh, being grounded and being present solo in solitude. Uh, except for maybe a friendly four-legged friend uh, with us that adds to that. And I think we start to understand that movement can be healing uh, and empowering in many different ways. And, you know, I'll say um, if it's someone's faith, that's great. But, you know, uh, expanding beyond a specific faith, it is the true mind, body, spirit of movement. And, in there, just uh, listening, having given us the opportunity to just be and be present and not be distracted. A lot of people can't handle being with themselves and they want to be distracted from their thoughts. But just to be present in that in that moment, in that environment, of course, the forest and nature is thriving and alive despite humans. It's very restorative and powerful. And we do 
we're open to that. That's a helpful energy. The mushrooms and the tree roots are communicating below our feet. Um, but on our feet, from a proprioception standpoint, of course, we're made to move. We have more millions of more sensors and receptors. As you know, at the bottom of our feet, we mistake and think they're on our butt. So we sit on our butts more, but they're on our feet. You know, our brain above thinking, which is what we're doing here, above communicating, our brain is most custom made for movement. It is its ultimate function and we keep stripping that away. So movement is the key. And one of the keys for movement, when you do circling back, I'm, I'm great at uh, integrating four or five stories, but always circling back to the original point, which was you in the forest or out running, getting off pavement, undulated trails where you need to think cognitively be present, but taking away your music some of the time. Right. Because I think that's one of the keys to a dynamic movement is just listening. You know, sometimes I run, it sounds like I have like two foot long clown feet from the circus and it's just, right? And then other, but I want to, I want my landing to be silent and land quiet. You know, so with our athletes in our training centers, that's the time we turn off the music and we're just going to listen and have each individual listen. So we can really learn, learn load management, not from a volume uh, management standpoint, but from lo loading our body mass and maybe a weight that we're using into the body, our body mass into the ground. Is it quiet? Do we have full force absorption with our, our muscle and our fascia and so on? So getting the music off and listening, I think, is one of our, our top uh, teachers for ourselves. One of my favorite, you had so many tools and gadgets. I'm thinking back to this one um, twist accelerate course back in 2000. There was wobble boards. And um, I remember this course clearly because I was the only female in the group. And, um, you know, back in 2000 going into, you know, these training programs, there's a lot of alpha male, um, very sport uh, oriented at that time, right? That was the initial those, yeah. those accelerate and then accelerate, uh, graduated quickly into, um, athletic strength, sport balance, and then also, a, an integrated movement course. Those were three. Those were modernizing sport performance, but also introducing functional training uh, to the world. There was other people doing bits of functional training, but that name wasn't bantered around by anyone. And these happened to be the first certification courses, the first opportunity for people to learn that methodology and uh, training paradigm, training style. Um, but it was the athletic oriented people that kind of resonated with it first. And so I, I imagine that it was quite, quite male dominant from that coaching world. Uh, so good for you being in there and uh, leading the way, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I tried. I just, I think it's like anything. Once you feel something so deeply connected in your heart and soul that this is going to make a difference with yes. not just the athletes, but the senior citizen, like I said, that's doing whatever they can do to not go into a walker, not go into wheelchair right. for the stroke patient that's recovering. Um, I, I think it's really important and you've always done such a great job of how we're speaking to our clients and to our patients and you're doing such a phenomenal job. It, you know, I'll, I'll put all of um, Peter's um, Instagram stuff, but if you follow his um, Instagram, it's so positive. And I think the way that we speak to patients and especially in this phase of when they're learning how to put their feet underneath them again and how to stand properly, that it's empowering and it's positive. Um, do you have any, any ways that you speak to your clients to keep things on the positive, especially for those people who are in pain or are going through that return to play where there's so much anxiety of, are they going to come back? Are they ever going to be able to do this again? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting you bring that up and I thank you for doing it because in the new certification courses, um, I, I'm, I'm, I have a, a learning pathway plan with four specialty areas, four courses in each 
20 books, 20 certification courses. So we'll have our third launch by uh, the end of July. Um, I'll have the 20th done before I'm 150 years old. Um, but in each, every, doesn't matter the specific topic. Of course, there is rehabilitation in sports medicine. There's mental well-being. There's youth physical literacy, but a lot on brain training and sport performance, functional training. Every, every course has a chapter on uh, what I call positive coaching. And, you know, there's, there's certainly times I, I have athletes and clients, they really do need a bit of a kick in the butt. They need to be challenged. Um, but, but there's, there's certain quiet, quiet voices and respectful ways that really leave a, a, a strong impression with them. Um, and that, that comes with a bit of coaching experience, but you know what, I, I like to assure clients to direct your question on positive coaching, which is the coaching version of positive psychology and neuroscience and how our brain best adapts. And, you know, and the social emotional acumen uh, from a leadership with connecting with folks, having them trust you in that rehab, recover and perform the three pillars you're, you're on. Um, from the rehab standpoint, wow, is that trust, you know, ever, ever important. So I make sure they know, number one, that I, I have their back. Anything we do is to help them improve. They can trust that 100%. I reassure them they're right on time, you know, and e even if, even if they're, it's been an arduous journey and they might have uh, failed or had people fail them or just not narrowed to the right solution yet by the time they get to you, Kim, um, this is their journey. This is each of our journeys. We're all right on time. Each of us is like in our life. Like I, I live my life trying to be more present and trying to leave each moment and the people in it, um, better than when I showed up to them. Mm -hmm. That's my number one goal, you know, leave each person and each moment, even those micro moments, like buying a coffee at a coffee shop. Did right. you, am I exiting? Am I leaving that moment and the people in it better than when I showed up? And, you know, sometimes I fail lots of times I'm aware and I, I do that pretty good. And then people reciprocate. And so it's, it's the client's understanding. It's a reciprocal relationship. Um, so how they respond is kind of how I coach them. Um, but I assure us we're, we're all, this is, I'm at in the, in the front row of a movie theater right now. I'm in the front seat. This is my life. I'm soaking it up. We're each doing that, you know? So there's some things in my past I wish went differently. There's some things current. I wish I was further ahead, but in truth, I'm right on time because this is my journey. This is my life. And we just, you know, to have that mindset, get them to feel great. This, this is their moment. They're right on time. The most powerful thing, though, is uh, which comes easily through exercise with healthy clients and especially that strength balance movement core, which is to make every inch of every rep difficult. So people are failing, 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 failing. One of the most powerful things of exercise, we fail, then we learn how to do it. We fail, we adapt, we improve, we fail, we get better physical and neural attributes and can do it. So we get, sounds like something you'd say at an elementary school, but I would say it to a 30 year old pro athlete, you get that I can do it attitude. And that's transferable to everything in life, right? You know, we, we know uh, two people will start something, they're both going to fail, one of them quits because it's confirmation they can't, and the other one understands it's failure is part of long-term success and learning and growth. So I get, I get them into uh, that I can do it uh, attitude, and then I give some, them some things, and if they are injured, I give them some safe challenges that I know they're not going to be able to do that are purposeful, so they are gaining benefits that they need from it. Um, they're going to fail that I know I can quickly achieve, uh, that they can graduate through. I want them to trust they're going to, they're going to get better. They're going to get better. Their injured area and how that integrates with the body may have some time to go and we need nature along the way too. Um, but there's other ways I can get them into that cycle. Um, that that's, that's number one. And, um, yeah, and then just, you know, really think things that should be across society as no-brainers, 
basic threshold things. Um, be, be positive, respectful, kind, uh, gracious, you know, bring good energy, those type of things. How, how uh, I believe everybody in society should be treating everybody. Um, yes. So the, the, that's part of positive coaching, I think. I think, oh, there's so many things to unpack with what you said. Um, a lot of the um, people listening and watching are seeing really complex pain patients. Um, FSM is one of those tools um, that is a tool. And Dr. McMakin last or two weeks ago had said something really important is that it's not an end all be all. No modality is in isolation the best tool. You know, a lot of us as practitioners use whether it's ultrasound or microcurrent, adjusting manual tissue soft, whatever, um, they're all tools. Everybody is unique. We have to find, you know, within our scope of practice, what works the best for us as practitioners, what works the best for the patient. But I think the number one thing we can do for all clients and patients, regardless of their health and ability is to give them some power in their process and exercise in movement is to me, it has been the most, um, influential, powerful tool to give them, control over a situation that they've probably not had control over ever, you know, whether it's somebody who's had a, you know, a chronic illness or an athlete that was taken out during a playoff game and is potentially about to lose their career. There's that vulnerability. And if you can give them some of that power back by giving them homework that will set them up for success that, you know, they can, hopefully do and adhere to. Um, and I try to do that with my patients to make it fun, to make it challenging, to make it rewarding, because yeah. once they do achieve those steps and they come in, I've seen such a drastic turnaround with patients. I were like, and before I can even like get out my clipboard or my laptop to take notes, they're like, Kim, you've got to see what I can do now. And you see that joy restored to their face. And it's just giving them to me a little bit of control of the situation. Yeah, that, that control is important and, and having that joy in there. Um, and it's, a, and I appreciate a lot, a lot of people uh, circled up here together, especially if we have patients and clients um, managing chronic pain. You know, I respect that's probably one of the most difficult things, but you usually more movement is better than less movement um, for managing chronic pain, let alone solving it. But it, from a control standpoint, you know, really, I'm, I'm writing I'm writing a certification course right now on mental well-being within a trainer, coach, physical therapist scope of practice. Um, so not a psychotherapist and all the other specialties that may do sit down therapy, but this is all movement based and all, and all the things that are in it within our control that affect our physical ability, our uh, holistic health, our mental well-being, our emotions, our perspective, the lens we see through our self-talk, our mood, all those things. There's, there's just so many things within our control that, that uh, a, gen, a general person uh, can learn to do and practitioners, it would be within their scope of practice. And that, and I say that allows us to own the process. You know, I want to own, own the process, quarterback my health and have control. The best control I, I love is trying to um, get someone interested in full spectrum and really look at them, I've, I've learned from athletes that may be a little less coachable, a little bit less bought in. Um, when they get injured, well, now they're fully bought in. And they, they'll start to learn or listen to their body a little bit more. But the key is, whatever my ability and physical function and so on and is here, as you know, when we have an injury, well, we, set, we step back. You know, now this is my starting line because I'm already here. Am I going to get better, worse, or stay the same? Oh, now I'm injured and I can do less as well. And that exacerbates it. Now I'm, now I'm down here. And it's like, I got to put all this time in as an athlete to heal and rehab and recover just to get back to where I used to be. 
So from a prevention standpoint, although this is valuable, um, it's not allowing me to experience this better or move ahead or move up. So I'm really aware, you know, I, I jumped down mountain walls, skiing double blacks before I'm a day before I'm supposed to go move around speaking somewhere. So I'll take risks, but there are things that I believe I have enough control. And, you know, I want, I want to be able to keep moving up, but I'm really aware of, I don't, I'm not willing to do things where I'm going to get injured that where that risk increases beyond what my threshold is, because I, I, I really don't want to be here. Although I really value the folks doing that. And um, I, I've had a couple of health wrinkles that I had to iron out. And from that, I adopted a survive to thrive. So get this, this is on the control. And if our, our patients that'll buy into this, I, I know we might have motor vehicle accidents and people that are, you know, getting some type of compensation and they don't want to go back to work and they're just trying to melt being here as long as possible. Um, and they might not be candidates. Maybe they can shift, maybe not. But those that uh, will be, let's say, coachable uh, and motivated and that want to get back and want to get back well and full, it's a survive to thrive philosophy. You know, I love that. Uh, we so we're all all of us on this uh, uh, on this get together. We've all had difficulty. We've all had challenge. Probably some intense. Probably some horrific things. And are we? Uh, we've had loss. We've had trauma. You know, we've had failures. We've had things imposed on us. We've made mistakes. All of us. And so you know, the key is are are well, what are, are we a survivor? Well, that's, that's something to be quietly proud of for sure. You know, but do we define ourselves that way? Or are we a thriver? Are we going to move to thrive? So I know when my clients and athletes, if they're willing and they're here and then something happens, their health or injury, and now they're here, well, they're going to do things with everyone's leadership on this call to get back. And although the protocol and methodology and program may change, they're doing things that step them back to return. And if they just keep doing good things, they do this. So when you're down here is a lot better opportunity to springboard to here than it is when you're already here. That makes sense. That's a very interesting. Yes. You just have to be willing to keep going. You're already in the groove. You've got rhythm. You got momentum. You're doing good stuff that advantages you to get back to here. Just keep doing it. Just keep, keep doing, doing some of that. So it's a, it, this is the control. It's a great opportunity to change someone's trajectory and then coach them to keep going. I think that's a really important concept to remember for the therapists and the doctors and everybody who's, who's listening here as a care provider. Um, I mean, I'm at the point in my career where I won't take people after the first appointment that I have that won't adhere to some sort of responsibility or change yeah. at home. Um, it's, it would weigh too heavily on me when people wouldn't get better. And I would rack my brain thinking, why are they not improving? Why do they still have pain? And they wouldn't make any changes. So they were trying to dump all the control and power onto my lap. And that's just not the way it works. We are, we had, we had a, a chat a few months ago about, do we call patients patients or do we call them clients? And there was an interesting um, psychologist that said the word patient typically denotes they have no control. There is a team of doctors giving them treatment and therapy and they are at their mercy. But when you use the word client, it seems to be more of a symbiotic relationship. So whoever comes in to see me, I try to ask them the, one of the first questions, even before I delve too far into their history especially for the chronic complicated pain patients is what do you hope to gain from seeing me? And they're like, but I have all this pain, but I have this. And like, Oh, I, I know that, but how do you think I can help you? And if their answers is they just want to come in and lay on a table for an hour, twice a week, I'm not your girl, you know, um, we have to work together. So, you know, and I think with those of us working with athletes, you do have that compliance, you do have that motivation. I think that's why I loved working with them so early on in my career is because, 
you know, they checked so many boxes. They were healthy. They had a good diet. They typically were sleeping. They would listen to me. Um, you know, and then I see more chronic pain patients and I'm dealing with the fact that they sit down for 12 hours a day. They don't have any exercise. They don't drink water. They have a terrible diet. They have high stress and they're unwilling to make all those other changes. And, um, to talk a little bit about, you know, the word recovery has been such a hot word in the past, you know, five years, how people are recovering, um, whether it's athletic recovery or, um, what are some of your favorite recovery things? I mean, not just be hydrated and get a good sleep. Do you have any supplements or vitamins that you typically are, are liking these days? Is there, um, aside from like mindful meditation, like any, anything like that, that you can throw at us, please help. Yeah, um, from a supplement standpoint and, um, you, you know, right, right or wrong, you know, I, I eat, uh, I, I eat a lot of, you know, when I eat food and I, I'm eating super, you know, super food, super nutrient dense. Um, and then there's a percentage of that, that, you know, I just don't care. But I, I don't eat much food, sort of middle class food, let's call it. You know, I'm either eating Hagen Dazs because it's ice cream and it's great ice cream. Um, you know, it's a high quality, um, crappy food, let's call it the, the best of the worst. Um, you know, or I'm putting 20 vegetables and, uh, you know, omega 3 and, and collagen and, uh, into carrot and beet juice into a Vitamix. Um, from, from a supplementation standpoint, I, I really, I focus a lot, um, maybe my personal journey and maybe from just listening to, to the world and news and politics and social media, um, I focus a lot on uh, uh, sort of a brain matrix group of supplements um, for brain health and cognition uh, with aging, with past, I've had, gosh, I've had about 10 concussions in my past, which everyone has already figured out. And, uh, <laughs> and um, I've, I've had some radiation to my brain and, you know, things like that, that I had to iron out um, and with, with aging and, and toxic world and so on. So I'm really focused on not only brain health, but this impacts our social emotional skills as well. How we, as I say, how we show up for folks, joint health, and um, uh, the sort of the, the, the sub-ingredients leading, you know, to NAC, um, which affects my whole, my whole system and my resiliency and my restorative capabilities, immune system, and so on. Um, but I, I have a full, a full spectrum um, a group of supplementation that I take. Uh, I, uh, I did take a look at, you know, as back when you were taking that accelerate course and the breaks, which those don't know, uh, know that's uh, balance, reactivity, agility. I snuck K in there for quickness and ES uh, applied to both explosive speed, but also eccentric strength. And the breaks acronym was great because it reminds us, you know, we, we teach athletes how to stop before we teach them how to accelerate. And there, there's a, a lot of uh, training methods that come from that BREAKS acronym. Um, but when, when we look at that time period, I was also teaching nutrition and macro micros, you know, uh, loading up for uh, turn, all day tournaments with three or four matches and how do we recover and so on that. But in going through some um, staying curious and always seeking to understand and being a lifelong learner, um, seeing people get sicker, uh, you know, you start to look at different things. And I, I kind of lifted the hood. It'd be, you know, it'd be like if our car has a flat tire, well, we, you know, we put air into it. Do we want to lift the hood and look at the engine at the same time, see what's going on? So I lifted the hood of our food supply system and factory farming. Um, there may be vegetarians and vegans, which I respect. I can get behind. I can get behind that for your health and the earth. I do eat some meat myself. I have a husky wolf dog that I cook meat for, um, but I I won't buy meat from a, a factory farm. It's I don't. Although we're eating a bit of meat, it's a small percentage of our diet, and it's a major percentage of the world's diet. Um, 
I, you know, we're, that's our most intimate relationship. We're taking uh, food and something that was living and then we're, you know, we're integrating it with ourselves inside, inside our body. But that's, you know, we're bringing, tor we're bringing tortured, uh, res torture responses into our body. You can hear it in society. Our soil depletion, you know, our, our food is uh, um, evidence to be more nutrient lean than it used to be, even our healthy choices. So that comes back to, I believe it is a, a time where supplementation is unfortunately more needed um, for health maintenance and restoration uh, and so on. So I, I tend to have, what I recommend is folks to settle in on what are their go-to staples on a daily and weekly basis, you know, for their brain, their joints, their immune system, their function, and then in specific situations, you know, you, you do have an ankle injury, you have a chronic pain, you have an ACL injury, or you have an Ironman that you're ramping up for and recovering from. So each chapter through the year, there may be some specific supplementation that you may not continue year after year, week after week, but it's kind of your go-to. So have your staples, that's, that's what you believe in 365 to operate as a happy, healthy human being. And then here's your situation specific supplementation that you, you may have for that say quarter of the year or something like that. That's fantastic advice. And I, I think you, you talked about something so important is I think so many of us want that formula. We want that diet. We want that eating plan. We want that pill. We want that something that's going to make us feel better. And we're throwing so much information at our bodies instead of stopping and listening to our bodies. And I had a great um, rheumatologist. I had some weird blood work come back and she was looking at it and she's like, I'd like you to try eating this and this, but just seeing how you feel on that. And I thought, wow, how interesting. Instead of just giving me a prescription, she was giving me some options to try, but she wanted me to really see how I felt on it. So um, I don't need a food sensitivity test to tell me that I don't do well eating gluten in North America. I lived in Switzerland for eight years and I could eat whatever I wanted there. The soil was different. The cows were different. The bread was different. It was all different. Um, so I think sometimes we, we want that formula, but we have to listen to our bodies. Um, am I running? Am I training for a race? Do I need to eat more? Do I feel sluggish after? Um, I say this on almost every podcast is one of my favorite quotes growing up. My dad always said, you know, and it was a little heavy handed at the time, but he said, listen, you've got one mouth and two ears for a reason, you know, and I'd sit there like, okay, I have to be quiet, but I I'm trying to, one of my biggest things, um, in the last, you know, five years, especially throughout COVID is listening to not only my body, but listening to pay, just trying to listen in That's general. Right a bit more to, to everybody. Um, I know throughout COVID you've really changed your life. You went from 80 flights to not 80 flights and you wrote so much content. So I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about these new courses. I'm super interested in the fascial course. We have a lot of like biotensegrity folks listening. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about that if you could. Um, uh, absolutely. And I'll, I'll just springboard or transition from your comment on correlating how you feel. Right. How am I thinking? How am I feeling? I can, uh, for those that do like to keep a log or a day timer or a journal, uh, so that's probably your most important summary. What did I do this day um, from how much sleep, you know, how I spent my day, how much movement, and of course the food and, and supplementation. And then how did I feel through that day and the next day? And of course, a one-time thing, you can't pick up much, but you can see trends and start to correlate when I eat these foods or do these activities or don't do these. This is how I feel. This is how I think. And that's the you know, that's still science-based, that's customized and curated for you individually, really to get in tune to that. Um, so I love you're doing that for yourself and your patients. The, the course that you reference is the Art of Fascial Lines Training, 
And, you know, that's again, that's really looking at our brain, our muscle, our fascia, and thinking of the body and how we train it, not in muscles and muscle groups, um, but in both movement patterns and in shapes, and then kind of reverse engineering from the characteristics of fascia. And in exercises, can we design the movement pattern that our body, our feet and hands are moving through um, the tempo using things like four phase reps where there's not a concentric eccentric positive negative, you know, but at two junctures, there's something we can do there. You know, we can couple between the positive negative phase of the rep explosively. We can pause hold for four seconds and impose things. Um, but looking, looking at the characteristics of fascia, I believe everything in the body, like nothing happens in isolation, everything's integrated uh, and everything's trainable. And so when we understand the characteristics, then we can just take a step backwards and go, what can we do to train to uh, uh, leverage those characteristics to kind of force them to come to the table and participate? And can we get them? Uh, uh, to improve. So the fascial lines course looks a lot at, it's called uh, the art of fascial line training, building your body armor. If you think of wearing an armor and um, in society on average, we don't have, um, this isn't about physique and taking a selfie, that's okay. But it's, um, we take, we, if we're taking selfies, we want to do it every day not uh, 365, not just one and done, and we're never looked at. So this is not about appearance, but interestingly, all of the training methods that I put together, um, pe people do whatever their impression is of a appearance improvement that they're marketed to believe that is the right way to go. Um, they, they do achieve uh, that, as a, but as a byproduct. The it's a not physique training style. It's not bodybuilding training style. It's not an appearance focus whatsoever. But if you know, you look at the Olympics. The athletes aren't training for appearance or physique, and they don't use those methodologies at all. But most people would agree that they've got you know pretty good looking, healthy bodies uh, as as we tend to define that in society. So that box is automatically checked. But we're, look, we're looking at, uh, from an ability standpoint, it's looking at really um, 3D strength and mobility fused together. It's almost like if you took Tai Chi and sport performance and yoga in motion and bodybuilding and mesh them all together is a little bit of the experience. But in the exercises, Kim, I've looked at how can I safely... Um, set up body positions and movement patterns and where the what direction the loading comes in so that the, the muscles in a traditional way can't get it done on their own. Person isn't set up or exposed for injury, but the characteristics of fascia, be it force transmission or absorption or tensegrity or communication does need to join this exercise party a lot more. And so we can call on that. And we know when we have more communication in the body, um, we have more, uh, usually more uh, stability and reactivity and muscle activation. Um, so that it's tied into that. Um, yeah, I hope that gives it a little, little bit of a look. I, I love that. And, you know, I, one of my questions I was going to ask you, like, what is the biggest shift you've seen in the last decade or two with the way we're thinking about the body? You know, my, one of my teenagers saying, why are you even studying this anymore? It's the body. The body doesn't change. And I'm like, well, you're right. You know, it has all the same contents 20 years ago as it does now, but we are thinking about movement um, differently. And I remember one of my professors in college, she wouldn't even want to use the word isotonic. She's like, there's always movement. Muscles never work in isolation. One muscle can never just move without an effect of another muscle, right? One muscle yeah, contracts, one muscle has to elongate. That's just 
factual, but I think um, fascia has really come up on everybody's radar in the last little while and its importance with everything from strength to um, just the fact that it's innervated. Um, we use a frequency um, with microcurrent that works with fascia and it's increasing the vitality to the fascia. And I've been playing around with that with movement and it's been mind blowing when you give the fascia a little extra juice, how that can not only improve flexibility, but strength. Um, and I'm not sure why that is. I, yes, yes. We're, we're reverse engineering, you know, as we go with microcurrent, but um, the fact that we can increase the vitality to fascia and it affects both strength and flexibility is um, profound. Yeah, ex excellent. No, I can hear your passion for that in there too. And it, and it is, that's a progression forward. I think, um, gosh, when, um, I think our num I'll make two points, you know, number one, and it's a word I want, a wording that I want to avoid because it's, I don't want it to be misleading. Um, but there's no better way, no layman's terms, better way to express it. But I think training our fascia is, uh, it's like a fountain of youth from a movement capability standpoint, especially as we age and finding ways to build better strength and balance on our feet in motion to live a healthy, active life, doing things we love that we can say, yes, I'll go do that versus no, thank you. I can't. Um, it's our fascial system and that's our, our armor where we know our fascial system um, you know, weaves and integrates and, and webs through multiple muscle groups across multiple joints. So without imposing, you know, maybe, maybe 20 years ago, I wanted to lift an 80 pound dumbbell. Maybe today, maybe I can do a hundred. If you want to do that, there's ways to still do that, but maybe for different reasons, I'm going to pick up a 25 pound dumbbell. Well, how, how do I still build strength and, um, create new brain cells and muscle hypertrophy and link my body together with that much lighter load. Well, that's considering our fascial system, but really how do I, I don't care what I can do in the weight room uh, or, you know, or the clinic or anywhere. It's like, how can I express the results of that out in life or sport or playing with my kids or doing anything. Right. So um, kind of a guideline I go to when I, when I studied, um, kinesiology and then coaching science. My very first um, uh, cadaver study in anatomy class, I looked at with the muscle groups and joints we were looking at. The anatomy professor at university literally tried to remove the fascia as something that was just kind of in the way so we could get in and study muscles. And I know since that time, there's been all kinds of great work on uh, healing and restoration and recovery with, uh, in, uh, with focus on your fascial system, your fascial line, not a lot on performance and function and ability as well. And so when we can consider that, when I, when I first started to look at that, there was one, one fact you know, it's a, I'm, I'm sort of captain, obvious, captain, obvious, you know, some, something stands out. that's amazing about the human body. And it's like, Hmm, maybe we should get curious about that. There must be more to that because nothing is, there's no function or, or, or component of the body that's there just, you know, willy nilly for no reason. Everything has a purpose. So when I knew that, okay, from balance and strength and movement, that our muscle and brain communicates uh, and exchanges with our sensors, receptors, picks up information. We send it through an afferent pathway to the brain uh, and for some parts just to the, um, you know, to the spine and back, a short-term neural loop, but there's an afferent pathway of information coming to our brain and then an efferent pathway for a motor response sent to our muscles. That, that's around 170 miles per hour sharing information. Um, but our fascial system does similar from information it's communicating at 700 miles per hour. Wow. So I just needed to hear 700 miles per hour and that it's communicating and sharing information from the muscles, from our feet to our fingertips, to our brain. 
and all what what the heck is happening in our environment all of our body parts 700 miles per hour um, well i like to say that's not rocket science to think that that must be important <laughs> If it wasn't necessary and didn't play a role that help, can help us, it wouldn't exist. Correct. And if it was just kind of important, you know, maybe it communicates at five miles per hour. 700 miles per hour sounds like it's a sense of urgency, like this is of highest importance. Yes. And then so I, that was, I started to work backwards from there. And why does that happen? How does that happen? And then are there ways to leverage that and have that uh, active in that way, impose demands that must respond to, can, can we help train that up or can we stimulate that so that we can either improve the, our, our fascia function, you know, or we can overload it so that our brain and our muscle and our movement improves. So we can kind of point the goal in different directions, but that's that fascial lines course. And I, I think it's so powerful people, you know, you, you have folks that might lose their bench press strength and things like that, but up on their feet, they're stronger than anyone. And, you know, our ability really for everybody and those seniors you talked about um, to feel more confident that we can move more skillfully without getting injured then, you know, we're going to be open to participating in more things and not move so timidly. We, we know how to take, you know, even walking downstairs, do we know how to load into that foot into the stair? Um, we're squatting and rotating and reaching for a, uh, a pot out of our cupboard, you know, or do we understand how we're doing that? Every micro moment is either improper or less than optimal for our body. Uh, or, you know, it's something in our body, it's the right, the right pattern, the right muscle sequence, um, et cetera, that our, our body loves to sequential fire through, et cetera. So a, a lot of our micro, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not like geeking out on this. It's like, I'm always into working out. I just want to do what's kind on my body and helps it improve. So how do I vacuum? How do I sweep a floor? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping and moving and rotating in ways that are for now that I believe are optimal for my human system and what my anatomy is made to do. And it's those micro, micro, micro. I think those add up. Does that mean 20 years, you know, so, so, so many of my buddies, strength and conditioning coaches and therapists and trainers, well, my, my age, they've got knee replacements, hip replacements, and you know, so things aggregate over time. Yes. And is it kind on our body and improving us? Or, you, you know, is it contra to that? And just in a tiny way, we can't notice today, but it's wearing down our body. So to the, our fascial system, if, if for any goal, I think if we pay more attention or orient to how do we enhance the communication inside the body? between all the points, between our ankle to our muscle, with our fascia, with our brain. And if we're focused on, um, it, 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 it sounds, sounds like I'm a woman talking to, to men who like haven't like budged on this, is, is we need to communicate, it's better communication. <laughs> <laughs> but it is inside the body. I believe fitness and performance and injury prevention and training is about communication. I'll say that. And that's absolutely what, you know, I think most of our goals are in rehabilitation. You know, we see whether it's somebody who's got the chronic pain or the athlete that just hurt its shoulder, when we're going through that return to play or getting back into those ADLs, those activities of daily living, and yeah. we're reaching that point of um, when you're saying some, I, it hurts when I reach back to get my seatbelt. Okay, well, let's look at that, what that range is. What are we doing over there? And there's so many patients, especially athletes, um, that what I always say, you've blown through all the stop signs. And they're like, what do you mean I've blown? I go, you have compensated and morphed a range of motion or a movement pattern so suboptimally. Your brain now thinks it's optimal and we have some unraveling or some undoing to do to retrain this. So I always tell my patients, and I love saying this to my big, tough um, men athletes, I'm like, you're strong, but you're wrong strong. 
And they're like, what, what do you mean wrong, strong? I'm like, you're wrong, strong. All those big muscles have taken the job for so long. And those micro little movement patterns, those stabilizers that have shut off because you didn't ask them to participate. We need everybody to participate. And I think that's where this course is going to be huge because it's improving that communication. There's that word where we have to re-communicate with everybody, not just your favorites, everybody again in the system. So I'm so excited to take it. Um, I want everybody, uh, we'll put the notes here on the podcast, but can you tell everybody where they can find some more information on this fascial lines course? Uh, yeah, the, the most direct way you can go to uh, twisteducation.ca, which is a, uh, a, a Canadian domain, twisteducation.ca. Um, if you like it better, it's easier to remember uh, twistuniversity.com will also take you there. There's a website, which is like our online campus, and you'll, you'll pick up on there quickly. It's about our values and our culture, um, you know, getting in nature, being positive, kind, but there's a lot on the science and the methodology. There's a certification page uh, that you can scroll through and um, all of the five learning pathways. So there'll be 20 courses to choose from. There's three available right now, which is uh, fascial line training. There's the, um, I don't mean to be disrespectful using the word, it's the best way I know how to say it, the Bible of athletic strength, of strength and power training for sport or, an, or a 3D athletic movement. Um, th that course is there. And then there's a, a new course, which is functional physique meeting the industry a little bit where it's at with the wording where people that are not going to come into uh, rehab, prehab, recovery, sport training, <laughs> functional training, brain training, you know, they, they want physique. Uh, interesting when they take to take this course, they're not doing any physique, traditional physique exercise or method, um, but they'll, they'll get that result. But it's really there is a functional movement physique fusion. I think it's going to be powerful and ironically, probably be our most popular course, but it'll introduce more people uh, to functional training as you go. And then on uh, in, uh, Instagram, uh, I just launched hours ago, Twist, uh, Twist Education, but my main page where a lot of good folks from around the world, like that are on here, come together to uh, cheer each other on and learn and share is Coach Peter Twist on Instagram. It's such a positive page. It always brings a smile to my face, whether it's seeing you or Bruno, your Husky, um, just out there loving life. It's, um, it's very inspirational. Um, well, let's, let's say, let's say the truth for everyone. Everyone's there for Bruno, the Husky dog. <laughs> He's a rescue dog. He's like an old soul who's about his 10th lifetime on earth. He's a healer. Um, you know, so people will visit me a bit, but I think everyone's there for the Husky dog. That's, that's funny. I, I bring my um, shepherd puppy. Um, she's a year and a half to work. Um, she's very therapeutic for a lot of my patients. It's very interesting. She doesn't like most people true to being a German shepherd, but there's some patients she comes out of her crate and just lays her head on the table. And uh, it's, it's animals are amazing. They're just yeah, such... that's intuitive that they need that. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, wow. Very cool. Um, I always wrap up every podcast with a quote. I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you have a favorite quote that, um, or a quote of the day or something that you could share with us? Oh, uh, if I, I'll share two, one is, you know, be your best. We, got, we need to, we need to be our best when our best is needed, you know, oh. so whatever challenges are coming in the future, if we're here, that's great. But if we can be here, we have more room to fall. We have more resiliency. Uh, but the, the main quote I'll give is, uh, today, today, I'll give everything I have. What I keep inside, I lose forever. And that means not just to, that doesn't mean so much to give our best from an effort standpoint. It means show up your best for people, each environment, be your authentic self. Uh, everyone, everyone in here, you know, especially if you're a 
uh, teacher, coach, trainer, therapist, doctor, physical therapist, any type of healer, any uh, expert working with rehabilitation, you have something special inside of you who gets meaningfulness and fulfillment helping people. And so that that's a that's a brightness inside of you. Just let that out fully and watch what happens with your path. And who cares what people think about that? I, I like to say is it's kind of a mantra or a living philosophy. When I show up and there's a room of people or just out in the world, I do try my best. I want to respect every person and make every person feel comfortable. But I'll I'll I aim, I try my best to respect each person. I don't give a crap who likes me. You know, my, uh, my only freedom I know is to be 100% myself and then to give that to the world. And the people that don't resonate, they'll find other people to hang out with. And the people that do will find me. Your life becomes very aligned with people, patients and clients and things too. So today I'll give everything I have. What I keep inside, I lose forever. I don't get today back tomorrow. But it's like, I only gave 50%. I'm going to draw that tomorrow. That's opportunity loss. So give everything. What a, it's so funny. My, my podcast co-host who is not here, her and I are always on this intuitive train. And she always kind of says things about two minutes before I want to bring it up on my list. So your quote, I just have to share this. I always prepare a quote for the podcast and it's funny. Today's one jumped out and it very much mimics what you were just saying. The quote is there are two ways of spreading light. One is to be the candle, the other, the mirror that reflects it. Oh. I, I just love connecting with you again. After all these years, you are not only an amazing educator, but human being, you're doing so many good things. Um, I'm so excited for all your new courses. I am one of your biggest fans. I'm proud to call you a colleague and a friend. Um, everybody listening, please head over to twist university or sorry, what was it? It was, um, twist. Twist, uh, twistuniversity.com, twisteducation.ca. Twisteducation.ca, and then all the Instagram. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, gosh, it's, a, it's an honor to be here with everyone. Thank you all for everything you're doing. Great to reconnect in, uh, in friendship and our professional passion. So thank you kindly for, uh, for having me on. If people have any questions um, for Peter Twist, you can send them over to me at Kim at FSMSports365.com and I will pass them on to Peter. Maybe we'll have you back on again. We should actually bring you to the advanced one year, which would be great. And you could lecture in person in Phoenix because people just love hearing what you have to say. So thank you for thinking of that. And everyone have a great rest of your day. You as well. Okay. Bye everybody. We'll see you all next week. The Frequency Specific Microcurrent Podcast has been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion provided in the podcast are not medical advice, do not create any type of doctor-patient relationship, and unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations. No person should act or refrain from acting on the basis of the content provided in any podcast without first seeking appropriate medical advice and counseling. No information provided in any podcast should be used as a substitute for personalized medical advice and counseling. FSS expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on or any contents of this podcast.